0: How should christians behave in our digital age find out on today's episode of a view from the wall
1: join i am a watchman ministries managing editor joe kerr with co-host dylan burroughs bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be
0: watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs here with co-host Joseph Kerr and we're excited to join you today. Do you find it surprising that even though social media was made to bring us together that it often seems to divide us? Sadly, many Christians are fueling online incivility. Others exhausted by perpetual outrage and shame filled from constant comparison are leaving social media altogether. So how should Christians behave in this digital age? Is there a better way? Well, our guest today, Daniel Darling, believes we need an approach that applies biblical wisdom to our engagement with social media, an approach that neither retreats from modern technology nor ignores the harmful ways Christians often engage publicly. He believes we can and should use our online communications for good. Let me tell you a little bit about our friend Daniel Darling. He's the Senior Vice President of Communications at National Religious Broadcasters and the author of nine books, including The Original Jesus, The Dignity Revolution, and The Best-Selling Character. Characters of Christmas. Daniel's work has been featured in USA Today, Washington Post, and many other outlets. He and his wife Angela have four children, attend Green Hill Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, where Daniel also serves as pastor of teaching and discipleship. Daniel, welcome to today's episode of A View from the Wall. Hey, it's great to be with you. Yes, well, it's our honor to have you with us today, and this topic could not be more timely with what's going on in our culture today. Social media has become the most powerful form of communication in our society, and in your book, you note the Bible teaches death and life are in the power of the tongue, but that today, death and life are also in the power of the thumb, talking about our digital imprint and communications. What we type or speak into our devices has great impact, so why don't we begin by sharing a little bit about the influence our digital communications have today
2: well we, we've never been in a time like this digital age where we where it's been so easy to communicate right i mean right. with a few um, strokes of the keyboard a few taps of our thumbs we can really publish a message uh to the world so um i'm someone that says the digital age is here to stay social media and the internet aren't going to go anywhere i don't think we're going to go back to the 1950s or suddenly become amish or anything like that right. so uh, the question is how do we steward this opportunity well? How do we uh, use our words online in a way that brings glory to God and is wise and useful and helpful in in an age where it just seems like outrage is rewarded?
3: Let's make it as timely and real as we can get. You mentioned fake news in the book and that Christians Mm -hmm. should be somehow involved in that process. Talk about that.
2: I mean, um, if you think about the old days, and I'm, I'm not that old, but I could still think back to the time when we got free newspapers that would be delivered to our house so news was pretty much newspapers uh maybe three or four networks on tv and uh, maybe you know radio state handful of radio stations well now there's so many sources for news that um it comes at us from a variety of places and and one of the unfortunate things that's happening is that we tend to get news from places that reinforce our biases so we're all in these kind of um media bubbles, if you will. And uh, I think Christians have to be wise and read across various ideological streams. I think we need to get our news from a variety of sources. I also think we need to just obey the wisdom of James 119, where where he counsels us to be slow to speak, uh, quick to listen, and slow to anger. I think at this age, we might say, let's be slow to post, uh, quick to get the whole story, uh, slow to digital rage. We need to wait and make sure we've got the whole story rather than accepting and believing stories that maybe we want to be true because it tells us something about our ideological opponents or it tells us something about the people we like. Something we want to be true rather than asking ourselves, is this actually true? And it, you know, it seems like it's getting harder and harder to know that.
0: Right. Well you think about even the basic biblical idea of doing unto others as you would have them do unto you and applying that in our digital communications as well. But there's the influence of social media, the impact of fake news as you've touched on, but there's also this fear of missing out that's a big part of our communications today with our phones especially. What kind of impact do you see this perspective having on believers today?
2: Well, I mean, FOMO is really it's this idea that there's something going on in the world that we're not a part of, that we're missing out on something and 'Cause today we you know, on our timelines as we scroll through, we can see pretty much what everybody's doing. Everybody's broadcasting everything they're doing, whether they're at a ball game or they're at a concert or they're, you know, shopping or they're on vacation or whatever. Um so there's that aspect of FOMO that someone else is having a good life that I'm missing out on or I'm entitled to. The other aspect of it is just this idea that we have to constantly be plugged in. And this is what keeps us kind of grabbing for our phone and twitching whenever we're away from our phone because we feel like something is going on in the world that I don't know about. And I think we have to separate two things. On the one hand, there is an, uh, an insatiable curiosity that God has wired into humans to, to learn and to grow. I mean, we have a whole book of Proverbs that encourage us to pursue wisdom, pursue knowledge. So this curiosity is good. But then there's a kind of busybody junk food information that we feel we have to be in the know about. This idea that we have to know the latest details of every controversy, every story. And I think this is a little bit more like Paul when he talks about sort of people who are busybodies, who have to always be in the know, so to speak. And it really, I think, goes back to the Garden of Eden, where one of the temptations that Satan gives to Eve is that she can be all-knowing, that it's not enough to be an image bearer, the temptation was that you could be all-knowing. It's not enough that you like God, you can be God. And, and humans, we're not wired to be all-knowing. Uh, we're not wired to be omniscient. Uh, God is the one who is all-knowing, and it's good to have mystery. It's good to not know everything. And so sometimes I think we need to discipline ourselves to say, here's controversies I don't know about. Here's uh, rabbit holes on the internet I don't want to go down. Here are things I don't have to know. And Um, I can put my phone up or I can be away from this for a while and the news can break and it's okay that I don't know uh, what's going on because I trust the God who is all knowing.
0: Well, that's a good word of wisdom. I love the connection you made there with Adam and Eve in the garden, that idea that we are always distracted and tempted to take our eyes off of the commands that God has given us onto things that make us appear to be wiser. And that's not always the case, whether it's in the garden or whether it's with our social media today. And we're going to take a quick break, but we're going to continue this fascinating discussion with Daniel Darling about the impact of social media. So stay with us for more here on A View From The Wall. From
1: I Am A Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am A Watchman Minute. The Bible doesn't provide details of the last part of Jeremiah's life. Most believe he was taken from his homeland and died as a martyr while living as an exile in Egypt. Many believe that as Jeremiah lived in exile, he founded a synagogue in Egypt near Alexandria. Not much is known about how he accomplished that, but we know that about 600 years later, a young man living in Egypt learned about God, the Law, and the Prophets. Later, that man, Apollos, traveled and met the Apostle Paul, who showed him how the Old Testament points to Christ. Apollos became a believer and an evangelist partly because centuries earlier, Jeremiah was faithful to God's call in his life. So faithfully follow the Lord's leading in your life. You never know how your work will impact others. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. Iamawatchman.com
0: Welcome back to A View from the Wall. As Joe and I continue our conversation today about the impact of social media with author Daniel Darling, I want to share a Bible verse Daniel discusses in his book. It's Proverbs twelve eighteen. The words tell us there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the healing brings wisdom. Now, Daniel, as we continue, take a moment to share how the words of this proverb could apply to our use of social media today.
2: Well, I think all the incentives all the, uh, on social media and the algorithms are geared toward engagement, which means a lot of times uh, instability, strife, argument, arguing, um, and I actually think there is a good place for robust discussions on um, online. Sure. But uh, This verse tells us, similar to something that um, James 3 tells us, that in a fallen world, the words we use can either bring life or death. And we have to ask ourselves, what am I doing with my words? Uh, am I uplifting or am I tearing down? You know, that sounds a little bit cliched, a little bit, I don't know, Pollyannish. But it's really true that God doesn't just care... That we're on the right side of an issue, but he he also is concerned with with the shape of our words, with with how we speak and how we talk. And I think we're not aware all the time of the damage our words can do or the good that our words can do. And, and specifically, when we think about social media, that we're not just behind our keyboards typing away. We're we're actually in public. So even if you have you know. 50 or 100 friends on Facebook or 50 or 100 followers on Twitter, which isn't all that hard. It doesn't seem like a lot, but imagine a room full of 100 people. Imagine a room full of 50 people. How would you speak if you were in front of them? Now imagine if you have, you know, a few thousand friends or a few thousand followers on Facebook. Now we are talking about a, an auditorium or something even larger. And so I don't think we understand the the power of our public words on these platforms. Um, I also think we tend to dehumanize the people that we're disagreeing with. We reduce them to avatars or pixels uh, to be crushed instead of seeing them as whole people made in the image of God.
3: I love the illustration you gave and that example from James where he talks about the tongue being a fire. Those words were chosen on purpose. A fire can be warming and life-giving and survival, or it can be damage and death and destruction. It's not impossible to do the wrong thing with our tongue or in this case our thumbs
2: Mm. well it's true and you're exactly right james talks about the explosive power of words and and proverbs has a lot of passages on that as well um you know like fire it can be harnessed for great good or it can get out of control like like a ship a ship can be out of control or can be steered toward a a passage uh, or a horse it compares to a horse that a horse can be out of control or that bridle controls the horse and where it goes and takes the rider with it. Um, there's an interesting verse in that in that passage in James that says the tongue can no man tame. In other words, it, it says that James is saying this, our words and our ability to communicate is so unruly in a fallen world that who can tame it? Well, we know who can tame it. Christ has defeated sin and death in the grave, and it's the power of the Spirit that can tame the tongue. And so what James is saying is that Human beings with our own limited uh, ability and willpower and being sinners, we can't tame our tongues and tame our keyboards on our own with just self-discipline. Uh, we need something otherworldly. We need a supernatural power and that is the, the power of the Holy Spirit. So if we're walking in step with the Spirit, that's the, the most important thing when it comes to our online communication. I always say that our offline self will really determine what kind of online self we have. So uh, the quality of our offline community determines the, the shape of our online words and communication.
0: Well, that's well said. And I want to circle back to something you touched on earlier, because we sometimes think we can get away with saying whatever we want when we are on the phone or on a computer, because the person is not in the room with us who is receiving the messages. Perhaps there's someone on the other side of the planet, someone we don't know personally. So we have no filter. We say whatever we feel or think at the time. But what are some of the problems that can result from this way of thinking? You touched on it a little bit. Talk a little more in detail about how this can be a detrimental part of our Christian witness.
2: Well, I think it's just that we, we forget to see the whole person. You know, communication has gradually become less embodied, right? If you think about even the invention of the of ink and paper and the printing press removed a step from the kind of person-to-person oral uh, embodied communication. And then if you go down the line with telephone communication and the digital communication, and all those have fantastic positive benefits. We're able to communicate more in the digital age, right? I can text my teenagers, I can I can text friends out of state, I can encourage them, I can do all these things. But if we're not careful, we'll forget that the people we're communicating with are human beings. Um, they're they're full human beings. Sometimes we are tempted to reduce people to that one argument that we disagree with. I might think you're wrong or you have a bad opinion. If that's all I think about you, I'm I'm really dehumanizing you. And so we need to see people as whole people and when we communicate, I think we need to ask ourselves, what is the best medium to communicate this message, right? So for me, anything that involves conflict, I like to do in person, you know, to do in an embodied way. I think when you try to do that over email or text or whatever, it kind of flattens and you lose that, that shape. Other, other kinds of communication are better for digital communication. But through everything we do, whether it's social media, or personal communication, remembering that there's a person on the other side of that, that we're not just talking to avatars and bots and um, pixels. We're talking to real people.
0: Right. Well, we have a minute before we go to break. If you would talk on the positive side about an example of how encouraging words can help impact someone's life or perhaps your own life in this instance.
2: Well, I really think social media can be used for good. I think we have to be countercultural online. In other words, counter the algorithms and counter all the incentives that encourage us to be uncivil. We don't, we don't have to yield to those things. And so I encourage folks to find time to encourage somebody uh, publicly. Like if you read something they wrote or they had a post that really encouraged you to, to say something or to tell someone you appreciate them. I have also found great benefit in a number of ways. Number one, I've, I've found great books, great content, conferences, and other things that have shaped and discipled me. Uh, I've made friends online. You know, it's great for promoting causes, for raising money. I have a few friends right now who have uh, family members battling cancer and you're able to kind of spread the word and raise money for their expenses in, in ways that you really couldn't do 20, 30 years ago. And and most of all, the gospel is, is going across uh, the internet and through social media and through all these digital platforms in ways that we couldn't dream of uh, a couple of decades ago. And I think God is using that. You know, we as Christians have to just accept the fact that god has placed us in this time in this space in 2020 in this digital age not in another age and so we should both be wary of the dangers of the internet and social media but also embrace the technology to attend uh, the
0: gospel well these are such powerful words and we have to step away for a break for just a moment but stick with us we'll be right back with more on a view from the wall
1: The Bible predicts the rapture of the church is coming. Are you ready? Soon many will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Only they will escape the dark days that are coming, a time of tribulation that will usher in the Antichrist and great destruction upon the entire earth. There's only one escape, one way, one light, one truth. His name is Jesus. He came and died so that we may live forever with him but to receive this new life, there are three things we must do. The ABCs of salvation. A, admit you're a sinner and that you need a savior. Ask for forgiveness and receive his grace. B, believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he came, lived, died, rose again, and will come again. Believe that he is Lord and God. C, commit to walk his path, the path he wants you to walk, and walk it out by faith. Then you'll be ready for the return of the Lord. To learn more about the rapture and how to know for sure, visit miraptureready.org. Welcome back.
0: As Joe and I talk with author Daniel Darling about the impact of social media in our final segment today on A View from the Wall, I want to again draw our attention to Scripture. For example, Colossians 4, 6 teaches, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. And it tells us why also. It says, So that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, Daniel, it strikes me that we may be lacking the answers to questions others have about the faith, in part because our digital conversations are not full of grace. Talk about some ways we can improve in how we communicate to others through our social media. We touched on this in our last segment. Talk a little bit more about that.
2: Well, I think you even see in what Paul is saying there that he's he's calling Christians to speak both with civility and with courage. And we have this idea that both of those can't coexist. Um that if I speak up and speak out about truth, that somehow I'm being mean and unkind. On the other hand, you have a lot of folks who feel that as long as I'm on the right side, it doesn't matter how I say it. And so here Paul is saying to have an answer, right, to speak to the questions of the age. Christians need to be speaking up and speaking out and uh, standing up for the vulnerable, but speaking out about truth, about the gospel, at an age of confusion. But also he says to, to do it with grace. And elsewhere, First Peter says to um, have an answer for every person, for the hope that lies within you, but do it with gentleness and kindness. And so, it's this idea that we can have courage and civility at the same time. I actually think you can have robust conversations and disagree with people, even online, even in public, as long as we understand that the way we do it matters. Uh, when Paul says in Colossians to do it with grace, what he's saying is do it in a kind of confident but open-handed way, in a way that understands the grace that you've received as a child of God. In other words, there should be a way of arguing about these issues in a way that is distinctly Christian, distinctly gospel-centered, distinctly from God, uh, that we don't use the rhetoric of the world, we use the rhetoric of the age, that we're not just seeking to own people and crush people, but we're seeking to persuade with the power of the gospel. I mean, Paul is saying this, and yet Paul was not a shrinking bottle. Paul was someone who would stand up and speak against heresy, he would speak against false ideas, he would would stand on Mars Hill and preach the truth to people who are worshiping false idols or, or were uh, atheistic or, or wherever they were in that, in that uh, place, and yet he's saying to do it with grace. I think one of the underlooked characteristics for christian leaders is the ability to be gentle to be civil i mean every area where paul tells Timothy and titus when he talks about the characteristics for christian leader they all mention temperament gentleness kindness not a brawler not given to false controversy. sometimes we think just because somebody is right and their sharp edge that it doesn't matter how they say it and i just don't think that's true
3: I'm glad you put it that way. We talk about that sometimes on this program, that it's possible to contend for the faith without becoming contentious. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things that we see right now is the freedom of speech issue. And Mm -hmm. as a lot of the posts disappear and accounts are locked or shut down because they're being shadow banned or censored in some way, what are we supposed to do as Christians with big tech exercising so much censorship over what we can say and what people can see?
2: That's such a great point. You know, there's a way in which to be to speak with grace and to be simple, and yet the gospel and its implications are unacceptable, even in in that way. And Jesus said that. He, you know, Jesus said that they hated me, they'll hate you. So, Christians are always going to be at odds at some point with the culture. And and I do think the issue with big tech is really serious. Uh, if you think about all of our ministries, all of our ministries are very platform-dependent in terms of how we communicate, whether it's YouTube or Vimeo or Amazon or Facebook or Twitter. And um, a lot of the content that has gospel implications, you know, is seen by the world, is seen by those who do not know Christ as dangerous, as as unsafe. And so I I really do think that's going to be the next frontier in terms of providing spaces for free speech. And look, I think Christians in a representative uh, republic like ours um, should fight for free speech, and we should fight for religious liberty. Um, We can thrive even if we don't have those things. You know, the church can thrive under persecution, but we've never been told to vote for it or to advocate for it. And and in fact, if you look through the book of Acts, Paul is all the time appealing to his right as a Roman citizen, and he doesn't see that as a conflict with the mission of preaching the gospel. And so I think as long as we have a voice and a vote and a way of shaping, I think we should try to create spaces of freedom so that the gospel can be declared. Um, and so I do think the platform is, is going to be really the next big frontier in terms of um, the ability to preach
0: the gospel. Well, that's very well said because even though Christians can thrive during times of persecution, we don't necessarily want to go out of our way to find it or to develop it as we're starting to see when it comes to censorship and big tech type of situations. So, if you're one of those people out there that you're getting blocked or you're getting censored, let's do what we can to stand up for what we can uh, in terms of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, but at the same time knowing that our voice is going to be controversial when it comes to the gospel. But as we wrap up today, I want to conclude our program with the word of encouragement and challenge for those who consider themselves watchmen or watchwomen with our ministry. They are those people who watch, warn, witness, and work to finish well in the last days. Daniel, if you would, what words would you wish to leave to encourage our listeners today?
2: Well, I want to say this, that, you know, this has been a very difficult 2020, um, you know, personally for a lot of people, but also around the world and people are trying to process what's happening, and I just want to say that the things that are shaking us in this season are not shaking heaven. that God is not wringing His hands over the things that cause us to wring our hands, and God is still sovereign, uh, He is still on His throne, and Jesus still saves today, and God is, Christ is still building His church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and God is gathering history to Himself, and so we should be wary. We should watch. We should be sober-minded. Um, we should know the times that we're in, and yet we should do it with a kind of joy, because God has placed us here to minister and to um, to be His ambassadors in this in this age, in this time, in this place. Uh, not a, not in another era, not in another setting, in another time. And so we should embrace that God is still alive. He's still active, and so He's calling His people to uh, to share the good news.
0: Well, thank you so much again for those words and for joining us today. For those who would like to know more about your ministry and about your book, where should they go to find out?
2: Well, the best place to go is my website, com, And you can click on, uh, if you want to get information, there's free downloads and all sorts of things like that. You can also sign up for my newsletter.
0: Great. Well, again, the book is Away With Words by bestselling author Daniel Darling. We encourage you to pick up a copy of his book at danieldarling.com. And he has his own podcast there as well, many other resources for you. Let us say again, we appreciate you joining us for today's program, and we are here to serve you. Listen again and enjoy all of our programs at Iamawatchman.com or wherever you stream your podcasts. Join us next time on A View from the Wall.